With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's Modeling Podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos and Ken Lavin. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Well, uh, my man, Juneshri Fargus, is on the Major League roster and has been, dare I say, good? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm doing pretty well, despite the fact that the Mets just went 3-6 and six on a road trip and have, like, 80% of the opening day roster on the DL. IL, whatever. I mean, the fact that Fargus is on the roster, I mean, that just speaks volumes. Look, no look, offense I, to him, of course. I think I think Fargus is legit good. Not in a starting outfielder kind of way, but in a quality fourth outfielder. A useful bench piece, certainly. Yes, yes. He is what they wanted Albert Almora to be, except better because he has an elite tool off the bench, that being his speed. That play the other day was insane. Yeah. <laughs> that was I'm, impressive. I, I am a little surprised he didn't manage to score on that triple. I don't know that we ever got a replay of, like, did he slow up around third or something, but I thought he was going to score easily there. And for continuity's sake, you have been championing him for over a year. So. Since he was signed. Years, yeah. yeah. Yeah, since since he was signed, did they sign him, like, the early 20, like 2019 to 2020 offseason. Mm-hmm. 
because at the time he was not your typical minor league signing. He was a still prospect eligible dude who just was drafted as a high schooler and was raw, rawer than sushi. So he just took long enough that he reached minor league free agency. So is that room on the hype train for anyone that wants to jump on? Yeah, absolutely. Jump on the Janeshwi. It's America's favorite Janeshwi, you know? It might also be America's only Janeshwi, but... That's why we love him. It's a great name. It's an 80 great name. Yep. All right, so promote extend trade this week. And back in 1626, what Peter, Peter Minuet, he bought the island of Manhattan on this date for... 60 guilders, that's a good currency, 60 guilders worth of trade goods. So basically, Can you translate that into Bitcoin for me? Uh, no, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Correct answer. <laughs> um, obviously, though, you you got to use the term purchase kind of lightly, though, because the Lenape Indians, their conception of uh, real estate and, and property rights is very different from what the Dutch had in mind. But um, as a result, obviously, it was a very lopsided um, transaction. And baseball has seen its fair share of weird lopsided transactions. So what of these trades are we going to promote, extend, or trade? I guess we're going to rate them in terms of how much dignity either side had left, I guess, when everything <laughs> was said so and done. Be- the best trade is the one – all right, what, how do I phrase this? The one that is the least worst is the one we're extending? I guess, yeah. Okay. There's a lot of things that you'll have to consider, though, to, to decide what is the least uh-huh. worst. Uh-huh. So first up we have is Lefty Grove. And he was traded from the Martinsburg Mountaineers to the Baltimore Orioles, so from a minor league team at the time to the Orioles, in exchange for a replacement fence for their stadium, which broke. Do you know the material of the fence? Um, concrete and wood, I guess. Questions here, yeah. Yeah. Okay, concrete yeah, no. and wood. I'm gonna go with. Not worth it. No. Next up we have is Cy Young, and he was traded from the Canton Nagies to the Cleveland Spiders in exchange for a new suit for the Canton manager. Really? I didn't know know that. (laughs) That's incredible. And last up is Trish Speaker, and he was traded – this one is a little reverse here. He was traded from from the Boston Red Sox – to the Little Rock Travelers in exchange for rent that the Red Sox owed the Travelers for use of their stadium during spring training. (laughs) But the Red Sox are sneaky, and they put a clause in the contract that they could repurchase him if they wanted to, and then when Speaker hit 350 for the Travelers, they, they repurchased him. Well, that just sounds like good business, you know? Mm hmm. We reserve the rights to revert to this at any time we feel like. Basically, I, I'm I'm enjoying the just looking at the Fangraphs pages for Lefty Grove and Cy Young because these are like two of the best starting pitchers ever. Yeah, I think they were good. Cy Young's career K nine is three point four three. Nice. Lefty Grove's is five point one eight. 
At least. Yeah. A fun thought exercise is thinking about what these guys would look like in today's game. Uh, not in the major leagues. <laughs> Um, yes. <laughs> I'm t- all right, hold on. Um, I'm going to the leaderboards. 2021. Let me lower the minimum uh, innings pitch to like, I don't know, 20. And let's sort by K9 in increasing order. Cy Young can pitch 20 innings in a day. Somehow there is, there are several pitchers with, okay, but they're all bad. Riley Smith. I have no idea who this is. Did he he pitched against the Mets, right? It's a 4.06 K9. Dallas Keuchel 4.26. Chichi Gonzalez 4.97. So these are the kind of names they'd be. Chris Flexen 5.31. Oof. That's yeah, a little surprising. That, that's low. He had a, he was off to a good start, and now his ERA is like five. So whatever. Uh, anyway. Seems like the easy trade to extend here is the Tris Speaker one, right? Because they they really uh, got the pulled the, pulled the sneaky on them there. <laughs> yep. Uh, Have to agree. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Cy Young's kind of like famously a dick, right? I'm not no, sure. wait, I'm thinking Ty Cobb. Never mind. Never yes, mind. no, Ty Cobb was famously a dick, racist, homophobe. Yes, yes, yes. Maybe one think. of, like, the 15 worst people to ever play the game. Right, right, right. <laughs> like, there have been people who have killed people. <laughs> ah! That's true. Ty Cobb might have killed people. But we, we, cold case. This is now one of those murder podcasts that everyone is <laughs> crazy for. Anyway, like... There's literally an award named after Cy Young, so trade that trade, and for lack of any other options, promote this horrible Lefty Grove trade. You also have to think, like, a fence has more value than a suit, right? Unless it's, like, a really, really nice suit. It lasts longer, definitely. And everyone can use it. I mean, obviously, the suit is just for the manager. No one else is wearing that suit, so. You technically need a fence. Yeah. yeah, well, eh. if for no other reason than to keep the riffraff out. That's true. Very That's true. true. You know, and this is like turn it, turn of the century baseball. So there's a lot of riffraff. Mm-hmm. Yes. Only stand up gentlemen played baseball, <laughs> except for Ty Cobb. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Before we move on, though, there was one that it was. I read about, I read this, I was like, this is just great. Uh, I didn't want to include it because those other guys, obviously, you know, they're all Hall of Fame guys. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't be fair to this dude. We have two, two Hall of Famers and then a career minor league dude. But there was a guy named Joe Martina and he was traded from the Beaumont exporters to the New Orleans Pelicans. Apparently that is a team name that goes around the Pelicans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, there was a trade in 1921, and he went to New Orleans in exchange for two barrels of oysters. And from that point on, he got the nickname Oyster Joe. Well, you said he was a career minor leaguer, right? He actually, actually he, he got a cup of coffee with the Washington Senators. And I think he got a ring with it. That I mean... Up. You get some nice oysters down in New Orleans, you know. I might take the oyster side of that deal if I'm being honest. Imagine though, like 
you just you're Oyster Joe for the rest of your life now because of this. <laughs> There's some good branding opportunities there, though, right? Like you could partner with, uh, like some sort of seafood. Like, unfortunately, the only one that's coming to mind for me right now is Golden Corral. But there's got to be like. Ugh. Yeah, not uh, illegal seafoods or something, or like Red Lobster. I'm Oyster Joe. <laughs> Come try my new signature, whatever the fuck. I don't think Red Lobster existed in in 1921. Yeah, Probably not. Probably right. <laughs> uh, Yo, you make your own sandwich, and instead of an Oyster Po' Boy, it's an Oyster Joe Boy. Oh, boom, shit. boom, we we solved it. You better call someone up right now. <laughs> call up the estate. <laughs> call his estate. Oh man. All right, let's Some move on. Me, uh, <laughs> virtually. <laughs> let's move on to the way too early draft update. Uh, my dude, Judd Fabian, he, uh, Florida played four games this week. One against the University of Georgia and then three against the University of Arkansas. And he went two for eight with no extra base hits. They were all singles, no walks, uh, hit by pitch, and 11 strikeouts. So a little discouraging, um, taking into account the adjustments that he made like a month ago and how good he's been. But, you know, hey, it happens. What can you do? How is Brady House? Well, he hasn't, according to his stats play, page, he hasn't played since the 6th of May. I don't know hmm. if that's the end of the high school season or if he's hurt. I certainly haven't seen anything about him being hurt in the mock draft since then. Um, if that is the end of his season, he finished batting 549, 675 OBP, 50 hits, 52 runs in 31 games played. Uh, you know, probably going top five at this point. Um, it's worth noting that he did hit eight home runs, but then hasn't hit one since the start of April. I imagine a big part of that are just pitchers saying, nah, <laughs> yeah. nah, I'm, I'm, uh, you could just have first base. Um, so they don't really track his walks very well on this website, or at least not, uh, uh, it's not like immediately obvious. You can subtract the at bats minus or plate appearances minus at bats to figure it out. So he's walking a decent amount. Look, look, every mock draft has this dude going top five now. He's a monster. And if he's on the board, the Mets should break land speed records getting that pick in. Oh, absolutely. Ken, how about Adrian Del Castillo? Uh, another down week. Mm. Um he is now, uh, he went one for 20 this past week with a single. Um, he's, Oof. yeah, still at three home runs. And, uh, his line has fallen to 290, 391, 421. So still okay, but, you know, not what you want from, you know, a guy who's potentially g- could contribute. Um, defensively, but the likelihood is he's going to have to hit, and uh, for there to be like no power. So, it's dis- disappointing. Yes, just goes to show how much of a crapshoot things are when you make decisions in like the beginning of the season. Because Fabian was like you know top of the first round guy, 
Del Castillo is the top of the first round guy, and both of their stocks have fallen uh, quite a bit. Is it? I I I I'm not a an expert on college baseball by any stretch of the imagination, but it feels like there are an awful lot of guys who regress throughout their college career, right? I'm not like it's not the most common outcome, but uh, the other name that's coming to mind right now is Griffin Conine, right? Like, dude just started striking out a bunch on the Cape, struck out a bunch in his draft year, right? To the, a problem he'd never had before. Um, and now Del Castillo, after two strong years, is having like his worst year as a college player, as a junior. So I'm wondering, and like this is very, something we almost never see with prospects in affiliated ball, right? Like if you repeat a level and you're a legit prospect, you usually kill it. Certainly don't get worse. So I'm a little puzzled by his struggles this year. I wonder if he's playing hurt or something like that. I mean, if you could get the differential information and find out he's been playing through an injury that shouldn't be long-term, that's... Yeah, that puts things in a much different way. Yeah. You get a steal, maybe. Well, before we move on, I want to talk about a new mock draft that Jonathan Mayo at MLB.com released a couple of days ago. And as a preface, before we even start talking about it, I'm going to use a term that Jeffrey Padnastro used in our AA group chat, the mock complex, quote unquote. Uh-huh. Um, I, I like that. It's a good one. But basically, you know, there's so much uncertainty this year um, in terms of what play, in terms of what teams are going to do because of COVID and everything like that, how it screwed everything up last year. You could basically republish a mock draft every week, every two weeks, whatever, and you could get, like, different results based on the stuff that you're hearing right now from different people at this particular moment. And it's basically all for clicks. And, you know, yeah. we're going to fall into the trap, though, because it's it's fun <laughs> talking baseball. <laughs> so in this newest draft that he has, he has the Mets selecting Colton Kowser, uh, an outfielder from... Cypress, Texas, which is where uh, former Mets prospect Casey Meisner is from. And he attends Sam Houston State University, which is ironically not in Houston. It's in Huntsville, which is 70 miles north of Houston. Uh, he's a left-handed hitter. He's considered one of the best college hitters in the draft this year, if not the best. Right now, it's a kind of hit-overpower pros- uh, uh, hit overpower profile, but... Pretty much scouts, they're they're pretty confident that he's going to grow into some more power as he ages and, you know, some, some tweaks to the swing, uh, add a little bit more loft to it, increase the old launch angle, and, you know, there, sh- there should be power in there. He hit seven homers as a freshman. Um, he's up to 14 this year, so, you know, like a 20 to 25 home run years as a professional is definitely uh, reasonable. Uh, he's been playing center field this year, and there really is not a lot of data out there about him as a center fielder. Um, so we kind of need to see him play the position more. Uh, he's, he's faster this year as opposed to the, to the times that he got clocked in 2019 and then, um, the limited time that he had in 2020, obviously, but, Basically, if those above average times are going to be the norm and not an outlier, then 
you know, he, he could be a guy that sticks to center field. But if not, he's probably a left fielder. Um, he reads the ball off the bat well. He's good instincts, but the arm is just kind of average. So that it might be a little me. bit of a... A little might bit. Be a little Wasn't bit he a third baseman prior, pre- previously? Yeah. You would think he would have a pretty good arm, but I guess not. Might be no, a reason that he moved off third. You know, Ken, you make mm-hmm. a good point. <laughs> so, would you guys be all right with uh, Colton Kowser if the Mets actually happen to pick him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think... Uh, One I'm, of the comps I'm, that he got was in, in the article was Brandon Nimmo. And yeah. We love ourselves some Brandon Nimmo. Brandon Nimmo, but coming from college. That's, yeah. That's, <laughs> this is like... I'm Close. also looking at his his stat line for the year, um, and uh, he's hit 14 home runs. So mm-hmm. yeah, more walks than strikeouts. Too. More walks than strikeouts, and not a lot of strikeouts. Oh. Like 13. percent Let me. Yeah, I'd, I'd be about it. <laughs> yeah, this is close to like my platonic ideal of a mid first round. Like I love first round college hitters. And if you're not going to get one of the elite, if you're not going to get one of the elite, elite high upside guys at the top, this is the kind of bat I'd be chasing if it's in the right spot. Hold on, I'm trying to find Michael Conforto's college stats. If Baseball Reference would cooperate with me, so it's Michael Conforto esque. Michael Conforto was last year at Oregon, and I don't know how uh, the Pac-12, which has several very good baseball teams, compares to the Probably SLC. A little, yeah, a little more advanced. Yeah, but Conforto batted three forty-five, five hundred four, five forty-seven with seven home runs in two hundred seventy-two plate appearances. That's a ten fifty OPS. Uh, more walks than strikeouts to a more extreme degree than than Kowser, but not dissimilar. Um, yeah, I'd be all for this. It seems like and and Conforto, of course, we as we know, every organization had a Michael Conforto who was supposed <laughs> to be a poor corner defender and a hit over power outfielder. Um, this guy sounds like he has at least a shot to stick in center, though perhaps not a good one. Uh, I'd be very on board with this pick. Absolutely. Yep. It's not necessarily sexy, but it's a good pick. All of the player. names I've seen thrown to the Mets, like, yes, please. Uh, certainly better than the pitcher, the, the Wake Forest pitcher the that was going to the Mets in the last draft that Mayo put out. Uh, Hoglund. Not, not, uh, I know that, no, no, I know they the were. The other one. Yeah, they got they got stuck with Hogland a couple times. I I say stuck like it would have been a fine pick before he got hurt. Um, who the hell was it? Ryan Cusick. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Uh, I much prefer a hitter to a meh college. If if I'm taking a college pitcher in the first round, he better be a monster. Could always go with a college reliever in this first. Ah, round. yes, yes. Where's that bold strategy? <laughs> yeah. I was looking at Keith Laws also at the Athletic, and his is not based on any inside information, just who he would pick. He had House eleventh, which much lower than anywhere else I've seen him. So uh, didn't he also rank Mark Vientos in like the top forty prospects in baseball not and, that long ago? Yeah. <laughs> 
I agree with that. No, uh-huh. I don't. Unfortunately, what is Mark Vientos currently batting, Steve? <sighs> Probably 200. I, I was going to say below 200. No, no it's been on fire. Yeah, play. Spoiler alert for the other side of the break. When we get to it, he was in contention for player of the week. So, Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. He had a good week. But, yeah, not a good uh, year so far for him. <laughs> and when I saw him last week, basically all the bad things that I saw from him in Colombia when I saw him there in 2019, I still saw the same exact things. Like, it looks like literally nothing has changed except it's two years later, which is not what you want to see. Yeah. Okay. But it's also, you know, two weeks into the season, three weeks into the season, whatever. And it he's is. also still only 21, and also all the hitters are – Seems like across the minor leagues, all the hitters are behind the pitchers right now. Yeah, so no need to uh, give panic? up yet. No, no need to hit I, the panic I'm button just panicking, yet. I'm already panicking, Steve. Oh, panic! I, I never stop panicking. So. <laughs> it's, like, it's kind of an eternal state of being at this point. Well, as Mets fans, that's just kind of how we roll. Well, let's look at some teams other than the Mets then, and let's check out how our CPBL, KBO, and NPB teams are doing. So first up, we'll look at the Unilions, and they did not really have a great week. Uh, Really, all of Taiwan did not have a great week. There's been a spike in coronavirus there, and the league decided to postpone all games until further notice. Now, the, the, the... the island really had COVID under control since, like, pretty much the beginning of everything because they don't joke around and they take everything seriously. So in, like, April 2020, when we were literally having, like, uh, a thousand deaths a day, like, uh, friggin' 9-11 every single day, and we had dead bodies and refrigerated trucks and all that shit, Taiwan is basically reporting, like, zero cases at that point. That's how much they had things under control. I but, had to walk by those every day. That was yeah. Like, that's that's ugh. but basically they had their first real outbreak last week um a combination of the government getting a little too lax with restrictions and people starting to just kind of get some fatigue and the really really low vaccination rates there because obviously no one has you know contracted it so no one really saw the need to get the vaccines or anything like that so until further notice, there's going to be no CPBL baseball. So hopefully, obviously, it's bigger than baseball. So hopefully things get uh, back under control soon there. Yeah. I mean, that sucks. I wish there was baseball. Right decision. Oh, Hope yeah, everyone definitely. Stay definitely. safe. Yep. Next up are the LG Twins in Korea, and they went two and four, one game canceled because of rain. So that leaves them at 22 and 20 on the year, which is sixth place out of 10 teams in the league. Doesn't sound good, but it's literally only two games out of first place. So Parity. Two, yeah, two teams are tied for first, the Landers and the Samsung Lions, and then two more are tied at one game back, uh, the KT Ways and the Kiwum Heroes. So I really don't want the Landers to win. Don't reward <laughs> them for changing their name to something lame. Come on. Well, I mean, hopefully they uh, get knocked out. Mm-hmm. 
the two wins that the Twins had this week, it was Casey Kelly and Andrew Suarez pitching. That's basically, you know, they're, they're DeGrom and Stroman. They're one and two. They're, they're dependable guys. And then the three losses that they had this week was from the rest of the rotation. So, and of those losses, two of, uh, excuse me, one of them were close and the other two were blowouts. So kind of a situation where pitching is just kind of not that dependable. Do they score runs for Kelly though? Uh, I don't have the, I don't have it in front of me, the scores, but mm-hmm. they scored enough to give him the win, so. Mm-hmm. And finally, the Occult Swallows, and they went 2-2-1, two, two, and one, with a game postponed because of Spring Koshian, the, the high school baseball tournament. So that leaves the team at 20-16-7 and seven on the year, which is third place behind the Hanshin Tigers and the Yomiuri Giants. And honestly, it's kind of crazy. They have seven ties. I mm. feel like that's a little excessive. But uh, surprisingly, they had some, some good pitching this week, which has basically been the, the massive, massive, massive Achilles heel on that team. Yasuhiro Ogawa, he threw eight scoreless innings this week. Uh, Kazuto Taguchi, he's a veteran that the tre- team traded for in March. He threw six-plus innings of one-run ball, eight strikeouts. It's a good start. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yasunabu Okugawa, who was a rookie that was called up for a cup of coffee last year, and he's kind of getting more of a look this year. He threw six I feel like innings. it should be a cup of tea, Steve. Oh, nice. Okay. He, he got a cup of tea last year. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> he threw six innings of one-run ball, seven strikeouts. So, you know good uh some good starts that they're getting but unfortunately they couldn't really take advantage of all that because Munitaka Murakami is like the only guy that's hitting this week so and that was really only the beginning of the week he got cold towards the end so they couldn't take advantage of those good pitching performances that sounds very familiar <laughs> Judy was boring hello then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com it's my little escape now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Let's check up now on the Mets minor league affiliates and see how they are doing. So first up are the Syracuse Mets. Oh, actually, before I even start this, do we really want to know how they're doing? Because <laughs> oh, the answer boy. is, yeah. Not great, Bob. No. So the Syracuse Mets, they went 2-4, and four, which is, I think, a good week for them. And they are now 4-13 uh, and 13 on the year, which is fifth place in the AAA East-Northeast. And just nine whole games behind the Scranton Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders. Just nine? Just nine. Just nine. So, you know, there's still five months to go. I think that's 
they can make up that deficit. It's just nine. It's just it's, nine. It's bad. Well, yeah, rule five yeah. picks. Uh, it's positive note. Tom's lucky. Pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Well, they might be struggling right now, but, you know, they'll get some reinforcements from Binghamton, right? Uh, ha, ha, ha. Oh. Funny. Yeah, the Rumble Ponies, they actually, this is, they had a good week. They won two whole games this week. Aren't those the first two wins of the season? <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> they, <laughs> they are now 2 and 14. Fuck. <laughs> um, obviously that is the worst record in AA Northeast Northeast. And it's also the worst record in the AA Northeast Southwest. And it's actually the worst record in all of AA baseball, period. So. It's stupendous. Yeah. Like, I don't want to see a team do bad because obviously it's not good for the players. It's not good for, I don't know what you want to call it, like city morale, like whatever, whatever that, whatever it would be called, but. I kind of would want to see Binghamton just not win again, maybe, just to set, like, an oh, all-time record. It'd be funny. Ugh. It would be funny. The way they lost on um, Friday was particularly brutal. Right, oh, that's, that's the thing, too. It's not like their pitching is just terrible, or their hitting is just terrible. Like, they are literally losing in every single way possible. The bullpen is blowing it. Starting pitching is blowing it. The offense is just disappearing. They're losing on, like, walk-off. It's just... They were winning 4 nothing and gave up a run, in, or at least one run in each of the last four innings. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> Maybe this is the closest to, like, the original 1962 Mets that we can get as people who Maybe. were born long after that team, you know? I we need. It's too bad Thomas isn't here, because... I mean, obviously, all of my bold, or, yeah, I think all three of my bold predictions have gone to shit already. But <laughs> I, if I recall correctly, one of his was that all the affiliates would have positive records. Uh huh. Well, there's there's still five months to go, so you know, I, I don't know that Binghamton's gonna pull out of it. To be honest, <laughs> twelve games is a lot to make up. I mean, at this rate, they've won. They've had in, uh, they've they've had a month and they've won two games. So <laughs> let's try to get them to double digit wins first. Yeah, I think we can do it. I think they can do it. Can, can we get to five first? Yeah, uh, <laughs> can. I'm talking for the whole season. <laughs> well, a little bit better are the Brooklyn Cyclones. They went two and four this week, um, but you know they, they're they're having a little bit more success than Binghamton. Uh, they're six and ten on the year, but they're definitely underperforming. Yeah. Um, that six and ten record it leaves them in last place in the high A, high A East Northeast. Uh, they are four and a half games behind the Aberdeen Ironbirds. I, I'm assuming that they're gonna turn this around and still end the year with a winning, uh, winning record, just because the team under them is so good, and at some point some of those players are gonna start. Uh, filtering up. Pitching took a big hit. I feel like because I imagine that that was where Allen was going to be pitching. I think that's where we established. Mm-hmm. Problem. I yep. mean, that, losing him sucks for their record and for the system as a well. whole. Brett, any anyone uh, can guess what Brett Beatty's batting right now? Uh, Four eighteen. Three ninety six. Oh damn. Okay. 
396, 483, 500 with a 528 Babbitt. Not bad. Yeah, that's pretty good. certain. That's some. That that's sustainable. It's a little concerning to me that he hasn't gone deep yet, but. Meh. Yeah, for, we were discussing this in our in our group chat. So for anyone else out there that is a little concerned, I don't really think that there's too much of a need to feel concerned right now because Beatty, he just he is very much an opposite field hitter. And obviously in the newly christened Mamamadis Park, um, you know, being being a left-handed hitter and pulling the ball, you're hitting it right into the winds from the ocean. Wait, which is, is there a park actually called Maimonides? Yeah, they just renamed it. Like it the Philosopher? And the Hospital. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? <laughs> How did I miss this? I don't know. It was it was just when was it? It was Monday that they announced it. Monday or Tuesday? Oh, it was an event. Yeah, two, ah. actually, it had to have been Tuesday because that was the first game of the homestand where they were back at home. But yeah, naming rights to the stadium were bought by Mamamadi's Hospital and huh. no longer MCU. Suck it, Keystan. Um, but anyway, yeah, so. He's just pulling, you know, any player that pulls the ball, any left-handed hitter that pulls the ball in that stadium, you know, you're doomed. So he's going the opposite field with the ball. Obviously, you know, it's hard to hit opposite field home runs, but he's hitting plenty of doubles and, you know, in a more neutral park, you'll, you'll start to see more of that power. He's also not really striking out at all, which is encouraging. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. That's yeah, he's walking a ton. Yeah. I mean, my point is, uh, I, I wonder if he's just not getting anything to hit for power. I mean, right? could also be true. That that was my concern, right? That he's either a they're working around him and he's just doing what he can, which is a good thing for sure. Um. Uh. Or or B. No one's throwing anything good enough inside that's forcing him to change his opposite field approach. Uh, I, I guess my point is, like, I don't think he's getting a lot out of B. Look, I'm not trying to be negative. The dude's clearly uh, got some serious hitting talent. Uh, I just don't think he's going to be getting a lot out of Brooklyn, and I'd rather push him a little bit to a spot where it's not as easy for him to just flip stuff to the opposite field where guys can challenge him inside and where he – might be forced to slash have more incentive to since the park won't be as bad to to pull um because with his like given what he is he, he's gonna need to hit for power to be a a, a real unless he bats 400 you know if he's a true talent 400 <laughs> hitter he can do whatever the fuck he wants to pull. I mean, it's fine that's yep very true honestly i was i was a little worried about baby coming into the year because you know he was Always on the on the on the older side, age wise, but was still very inexperienced uh, in a professional capacity because you know he he only really experienced ball in rookie level. So now being assigned to what is now high A, you know you're going to be facing pitchers who are throwing things that you've never seen in rookie ball and in the very very you know the the three game whatever it was cup of coffee and or tea that he got in Brooklyn last year. So 
I I kind of thought that he might be a little overmatched at first, but clearly it's not the case. I mean, when you hit 400, when you hit basically you're hitting 400, uh, yeah, you're not being overmatched. The day he hits his first homer there, promote him. Yeah, why not? And last but not least are the St. Lucie Mets, the, the best team in the system, the best team in the league. They went five and one, and they are twelve and five on the year, which is top of the standings in the low A southeast east. Um, the Daytona Tortugas are in second place, and they're three games behind them. So, same Lucy good, Cyclones all right, everyone else not so much. Terrific. Mm-hmm. But I'm checking Francisco Alvarez's line real quick. What's he up to Very on the season? Good. I can tell you right now because that's a great segue. He is our hitter of the week. Oh, excellent. <laughs> Holy fuck. Right? <laughs> what? Yeah. Okay, go ahead, hit. Steve. <laughs> yeah, so Francisco Alvarez, our player of the, our hitter of the week. Just on the week, he is 7 for 19, which is a 368 batting average. He had two doubles. He had a home run, seven RBI. He had five walks. Four strikeouts and one stolen base in two attempts. Why not? Love catchers at steel. Um, for the year, which is a couple of weeks in now, he's hitting 417, 567, 646 with five doubles. And honestly, he probably could have 10 doubles at this point um, if it wasn't for some good defense. But five doubles, two homers. 15 walks and 7 strikeouts. He went 7 for 19 on the week and lowered his batting average. <laughs> yep. Fuck. Yep. Now, you know, I, I'm not saying that he should be promoted to the Mets tomorrow, literally from the complex to Queens. But, you know, in the old format of the minors, teams were not afraid to push guys after a couple of weeks that they were dominant. That's literally what happened to Alvarez in 2019. He was in the GCL. He was in the GCL for like three weeks, and then they were just like, "All right, we'll send you Kingsport because you're really good." And I think that we are at that point with him again. Yeah, Obviously, get, get him been, the hell out of this yeah, league. Like the new format of the minor leagues. It didn't really impact AAA or AA2 too much, but, you know, it, it, it really affected low A and high A, um, you know, in, in terms of, what's the word? Unsurety is not a word. About how uncertainty. unsure. Uncertainty. There you go. Uh, uncertainty in terms of, you know, competition level and all that stuff. But it, Alvarez has made it very, very clear that he is the cream of the crop here, and he just needs to move on already. Like... Like, he's among the youngest players in low A. Right, and he's just ranking everyone. Yeah. Now, I'm going to be the pessimist because that's my job here. He also does have four errors in ten games. That's true, but it's also low minor league. Where True. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I, I, To be clear, this is not an argument against promoting him. Just some... Um, Reminding everyone of the concern about his eventual defense at home. If he hits like this, doesn't really matter, but you've got to keep an eye on the defense. If he hits like that, you let him play wherever he feels like playing. Yeah. yeah. If he wants to be the center fielder, then you let him be the center fielder. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't think that there are any other 5'10", 
230-pound center fielders out there in baseball, but if he wants to do it, then God bless him. That's an interesting thought. Who's, like, the stockiest center fielder in baseball? Kirby Puckett, was he a center fielder? He was for a time, I believe. Mm. Uh, Ramon Laureano's not huge. What does Ramon Laureano at? Adrian Hernandez. Yeah, on the Brooklyn Cyclones, obviously. He is kind <laughs> he, of he's not going to play center. No. <laughs> he's also not been good. <laughs> hmm. What was my, just since we were talking about it earlier, uh, what was Vientos' line uh, since he was almost player of the week? Oh, well, I erased it. I don't have it here now because well, he is player of the week. Well, let's see. On the season, it's not great, unfortunately. It's like a 78-weighted, so and a lot of strikeouts. Like, he's striking out 35% of the time right now. Yeah, the strikeouts are kind of excessive. I mean, that was the biggest, pro- the biggest problems that I saw from him when I saw him in Columbia in 2018 was that he was just... It was like when he swung the bat, it was like he had one of those Babe Ruth bats where it looks like it weighs like 30 pounds, so... You swing it and like it just moves slow, but when you make contact with the ball, it just flies. That kind of is what he looked like. And obviously, he the, the problems that he had with um, breaking balls that still is an issue. So I don't know. Uh, here's what Vientos has done this week, though. He was seven for twenty-two, which is a three eighteen batting average. And he had four doubles and one walk and six strikeouts. Doubles are obviously, you know, you like to see doubles. Mm-hmm. But Alvarez is just better. Yes. <clears throat> and now the pitcher of the week. And that goes to left-handed pitcher Franklin Paro. Oh, Nice. He's- he pitched. He made two appearances this week. So he pitched a total of 6.1 innings in total. He did not allow a single run. He allowed four hits. He walked two, and he struck out six. Um, it was an okay week. I think it's also more of a testament to how not great the Mets pitching is currently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Every every healthy, competent arms is in the majors because everyone is hurt. Oh, yeah, not uh, great. And obviously, Tyler McGill had that very good outing when he struck out like 11 or 13, yeah, whatever yeah, it was. Yeah. But he allowed a couple of runs, so, you know. I think they left, they left him in too long that game. He went five and two-thirds and gave up three runs. I don't think he gave up all three, but they were charged to him. Mm. Like... Promote the guy because he's blown people away at double A and also start using him like an opener or a bullpen guy, right? Like, probably doesn't have the stuff to start. In modern baseball, that's fine. That barely affects your value. Just. Yep, agreed. Given given how bad or how inconsistent Lucchese has been and now Yamamoto's been, is hurt and has been bad, like, I'd be much more – I'd be pushing McGill and possibly Sapaki up to the majors a lot faster than they have. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's all hands on deck, on deck at this point. Yeah. Well, 
Para. Um, he was drafted in 2018. The Mets took him in the 11th round out of Copiag High School, which is over in Long Island in Suffolk. He got a 150,000 signing bonus, which technically wasn't overslot since he was drafted, you know, in the 11th round and there are no slot values. But 25,000 of that did go against the Mets' bonus pool. Um, he's originally from the Dominican Republic. He came to New York in his teens. And he was kind of a, a little bit of a late bloomer. Uh, but obviously the Mets liked what they saw. The stuff was good. And he was a, a pretty mature kid that dealt with all of the hurdles that, you know, being an immigrant who isn't fluent in English or is not too familiar with the culture. You know, he passed all those kind of tests with flying colors. And the Mets liked what they saw. Um Obviously, you know, we're a couple of weeks into the season, so we'll get a better sense of how his stuff has developed since he got drafted because he really hasn't seen too much action between now and then. Um, he was in the GCL in 2016, so not too many innings. And then COVID last year, no season. So um, we will see. But the fastball, when he was drafted, it, you know, sat the high 80s to low 90s. It ranged from basically 88 to 93 miles per hour. And then he threw a slider and a curve. Um, neither pitch is really that great. They both kind of blend into each other since, you know, he's still kind of learning how to throw them. And then same thing with the changeup. It was still pretty firm. But again, you know, it's learning how to throw it. So it's to be expected. But, you know, left-handers that could throw in the 90s, and and they're young, great. He's a Long He's Island person. He's going to get three million chances to make this for him. Yeah, exactly. He's from Long Island, so you know whatever. But it's New York, so that's cool. And obviously, the best thing about him though was that that clip when he graduated, when he was walking down the graduation line, he just kind of like, <laughs> in very wrestling fashion, he just ripped off his graduation gown and he had a Mets jersey on. Hey. It's like, it's like <laughs> hell yeah! So love to see it. Excellent. And his favorite player is Pedro Martinez, but I mean that's lots of people. But you can't not love Pedro. All right, uh, let's move on now to oh yeah, that guy, and that guy for this week was Jeffrey Marte, who in 2012 with the Binghamton Mets went eight for 19 with a double, two homers. Two RBI, five walks, a strikeout, and one stolen base. Either one of you guys have any fond memories of Jeffrey Marte? Jeffrey Marte, he might have. Didn't he? Didn't they like trade him to the Tigers for something, or did they just lose him in minor league free agency? I don't even remember. No, they traded him to the Angels. I think it was. They traded him for Colin Cowgill. I believe. Then they traded him. Then they traded him to the A's because they got Cal A's, Wolf, not the okay. A's. I knew it was a team that began with an A. Then yeah, close. close. <laughs> he he had, he had like a ninety weighted WRC plus in the majors. Yeah, uh, eighty two, eighty two altogether. Then went to the then went to Japan. Okay. Mm-hmm. I I barely remember him. This is like scraping the the times when I. Yeah. Same. Like. They, those were my early days at, at as uh, someone that followed minor league baseball, so I really don't have much of a connection with him or anything like that. But um, 
he was kind of a legitimate prospect. He got a pretty, he got a decent signing bonus, 550,000, 550,000, um, bleh. <laughs> 550,000, yes. There we go. So, yeah, during the, uh, 07-08 signing period. So not bad. And then he had a really good season with the GCL Mets, um, started to get some helium as a legit prospect. Baseball prospectus ranked him 94 on their top 100 list for, quote, 2009. But he just he just never had another good season after that. He was supposed to be a, a good right-handed power bat. He could hit for average, hit for power, and he just did neither one of those. Maybe do really be like that. Yeah, it's true. I mean, maybe the Mets pushed him a little too hard because he was consistently young for for the level that he was playing at. And he did play in some tough parks, obviously Savannah, the most notable one. That could have impacted him a little bit, but he just never really got uh, got going. And then he got traded for Colin Cowgill and then bounced around a little bit. He, he found a home with the Angels. Um got 570 major league at bats which is kind of crazy between 2016 and 2018 said uh 82 to 82 wrc plus um and then he's been in japan and he's actually been pretty solid in japan he has a cumulative 282 379 458 batting line in 202 games and, you know, Japan is, is great for guys like that, guys that are like AAA or quad A players. So he uh, maybe found a place to shine. Good for him. Yep. And now wrapping things up is the Wilponry of the Week. And the Wilponry of the Week goes to Trent Balky who is the general manager of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Do you follow, does, do either one of you guys follow football much? I, I know Not enough. Yeah, I, I know oh. enough to know where you're going with this. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. So Trent Bolke, the general manager of the Jacksonville Jaguars, is the Wilpon of the Week. Literally is the Wilpon of the Week, really, because he signed Binghamton Rumble Ponies legend Tim Tebow to a football contract. I know nothing about football, really, but I am guessing that there are probably better players available to sign than a guy who hasn't actually played that sport for, like, five-plus yeah, years <laughs> and hasn't actually ever even played the position that they're signing him to play. So, so my, my take, I, I, perhaps this is a hot take. I don't know if it is. I think the Mets got maybe a bit too much criticism for Tebow. Oh, absolutely. Because, like, as as people who follow the sport know, most of the minor leagues are just filled with filler, for, for, for lack of a better term. Right? So giving Tim Tebow a, a chance to play in, in high A or double A is not – like, if you want to really get angry about something, sure, it's taking a job from someone else. But is it really not? No. Not really. And and he clearly made an honest effort at it and actually was pretty decent, given everything. Football is not the same. <laughs> there are like 90 guys in camp. There's no minor leagues. The fact that he ha- it seems like he has a 
non-zero chance to make the roster is insane. Now, it is a tight end, which is just a, uh, it's like the catcher of, of football positions, so, mm-hmm. fine, but, but still, it's, it's, this is a whole different scenario than the Mets giving him a chance to mess around as an outfield day. Classifies as well, Pondry. Absolutely. Yes. Did you see he had like the top five selling jerseys the day after he was <laughs> yes. signed? It's like, fuck, yeah, I guess it worked. He's a whole other thing though. Yeah. All right. Well, <clears throat> if uh, anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from complex to beans at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and send us questions there. I'm at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at Ken1191. And Thomas is at SZMetSeason, S-Z-N. Subscribe to the podcast, wherever you get your podcast from. Rate and review them. And, of course, thank you for listening. And we will be back next week. So until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets.